Luke 21 today, and let me lay a little foundation. We're going to go to Luke 21. We're going to read a, a scripture, and then we're going to focus on Isaiah 58. And uh, seeking the Lord this last week after Easter. After Easter, I always, I am always seeking the Lord on what to teach and preach, of course. But especially after Easter, because I'm like, Lord, you know, everybody uh, got touched last week. There's many that got saved. Many got. Uh, touched mightily by the Holy Spirit and the Lord. And the direction that the Lord laid on my heart to go over the next at least two to three weeks are the end times. I'm going to do some teaching on the end times. Is that okay with everybody? Because I said it last week and I'll say it again. I think the church is answering questions that nobody is asking. And if you come here, if you visit or if you choose to become a member of Christian Center Church and come here regularly and be a part of the congregation, then uh, I want to answer questions that are useful. I want to and, – and how many look around at the world and you – I mean, I don't know if an entire culture can become demonized. Come on, does anybody watch the news? Yes. Does anybody keep track? And I don't. To be honest with you, I do not have TV like – traditional just turn on cable tv i haven't in over five years and that's just simply because i didn't want to pay for it come on somebody (laughs) why pay for the poison that's what i said because it is and and but when you look around and i keep keep my 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 finger on the pulse of what is going on in the world because if it when i see china and russia standing on a stage shaking hands my spiritual antenna go up (laughs) And yours should too. Yes. And uh, because we serve a living God. Yes. And by serving a living God, it means he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Yes. He, in his word, over 2,000, 3,000 years ago, said what would happen in the end times. Mm-hmm. And today, as I lay the foundation, because I want to give you hope. Everybody say hope. Hope. Because when you study the end times, a lot of times we get focused on the scarier parts of the end times or the parts we don't really can really understand in a very, in a very just common sense, just lay it out way. And when we study the end times, one of the first things we can do is get so myopic, which is so focused on one little part of it, that we forget the big picture of the end times. And the big picture of the end times is in the book of Revelation is the revelation is of Jesus Christ and the fact that he will come and return and put everything right. Amen? Amen. So it's not a revelation of evil and, 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 and those type of things in the enemy. It is a revelation of Jesus. So today, as I, as I teach this, I want to fill you with hope. Everybody say hope. Because we have a hope and a future. No matter how dark the world is getting around us, I want to teach you today that we can still have hope in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the battle, or in the midst of everything that we see going on around us. And, of course, as I mentioned, nations like China and Russia, it's right there in the book of Revelation. There would be a king. There would be a king from the east. There would be the Ross. It was literally talking about the world stage is being set for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, you may be sitting there and say, well, wow, that's not very hopeful. I, I, you know, I've got plans. I want to get married and I want to have kids and I want to, you know, finally get that promotion at work and I want all those kind of things. 
And understand as I teach on this in the next few weeks, because next week my title is Here Comes the Bride. We're going to look at the bridal paradigm of the end times. But today in Isaiah 58, I in Luke 21 and Isaiah 58 that we're going to look at, I just want to lay a little foundation because I'm not one that looks at the world around us and gets down. I am one who looks at the world around us and looks up to him, understanding that God is going to take care of his people. Can I get an amen this morning? (laughs) The stage is being set and the headlines that we continually see. But can I tell you that the main headline that I want you to grab a hold of is the headline that we celebrated last Sunday with a room full of people. And the headline is that God redeemed us on the cross. God came and rescued us through the cross. So as we delve into the topic topic of the end times and all the absolute craziness going on in this world, I want to give you a few truths from Luke 21 and Isaiah 58. Because tackling this subject, can it can make you feel uncertain. I know I've studied the end times before, and I kind of step back and walk away with, with more uncertainty than I have certainty. And God does not want to fill his people with uncertainty in this season. Because I came to tell you this morning, we have a sovereign God. Our God is sovereign, and when you, if you ever watch a chess player play chess, and I'm not a good chess player, my son actually really enjoys chess. Uh, amazingly enough, he had... One of the little chess guys he was in a class with when he was a freshman in high school, sit down with him and teach him how to play. And we were talking about that recently. And he said, Dad, when you're watching a, a chess match and it's somebody really good, a move that they make may seem like it's not going to pay off. But when you see the move seven or eight moves further, the genius of the move becomes evident. And that is the same way that we look at the cross of Jesus Christ that we celebrated last week. Because how many understand what looked like defeat was victory. What looked like him going into the ground was defeat. And he came up three days later. Because my point is, as we study the end times, God is a God that can bring light out of darkness. And he can bring healing out of suffering. He can bring goodness out of what we see is negative. Amen? Because God is sovereign. Look at Luke 21. We're going to look at verse 27 and 28. And of course, this context of that whole chapter is of the end times of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And then Jesus is intermingling in there and talking about him coming back and his return. And how many understand Jesus is going to come back? We're going to look at that over the next few weeks. And I believe it'll, it won't bring uh, it won't, it'll bring, it, it'll be sobering, but yet it'll be hopeful. I promise you that Luke, uh, Luke 21, 27 at that time, they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near heavenly father. As always, as we study your word and open your, your Holy scripture, we pray today that your word would be like fire shut up in our bones. Lord, your word would bring a washing of the water of the word today, that your word would bring hope and victory to the people of God. Because, Lord, we'll say it right off the bat, as we look around at this world, we can tend to get downcast and we can tend to focus on the evil. But today, Lord, we want to lift our eyes and we want to focus on you because, Lord, we believe our redemption is drawing near. Anything said of me, Lord, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever said under the unction... And under the, the, the Holy Spirit, I pray it would go into the hearts of these precious people as we look into your word 
and are challenged and changed by it today. Lord, we pray you would change our hearts. We pray you would speak to us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So when you look at the cross, as we talked about last week, when you look at the cross, we can have the luxury of looking back at it and understand everything was falling into God's plan and God's place. And by way of just a little more foundation of, of what kind of put me on this path is I was, I was pondering that the fact that Jesus was crucified at Passover. And if you understand anything, and I won't go deeply into the Jewish festivals and feasts, but all throughout the Old Testament, the people of God, the Israelites, were to keep festivals because it helped keep their culture together. It gave them an identity, and they worshiped God through their sacrifices. They worshiped God through the things that they did. They celebrated at Passover, of course. They are celebrating the Passover lamb, and in, in particular, they are celebrating the fact that God rescued them and brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. Now, as I was pondering this the week before Easter, what I was pondering was, Lord, you're sovereign. You chose the exact time that Jesus, your son, was to be born, when he was going to sacrifice his life. He, nobody killed Jesus. Jesus laid down his life. Amen? You understand that. It was for the atonement for our sins. But there's another festival that they celebrate in the fall called Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur was when they would, would literally sacrifice for the atonement. So as I began to seek the Lord, I began to ask and say, Lord, why wasn't Jesus, why didn't he go to the cross on Yom Kippur and not on the Passover? And I think there's something there for the end times because if God says he knows the beginning from the end, if he has set every season, every place, every person in the place that they're to be, it's an understanding that we can study because the headline of the cross isn't just the atonement. That's one headline. But the headline of the cross is the deliverance of God for his people. And as we study the end times, there's some sure things that I want to encourage your heart with before we get into Isaiah 58. There are some sure things that I want to encourage you with today because God is a delivering God. God is a God that if we see anything in the end times, he is going to take care of his people. Now, if you're here this morning and you say, I'm not sure I'm on the winning side, you have an opportunity to come onto the winning side because the world may look like it's, it's going down, 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 and we're all going down with it. But can I tell you, arise, shine, for our light has come and the glory of God has risen upon the people of God. And listen, you're not looking at a pastor that gets down when we talk about the end times. I get excited because it's the church was born for such a time as this but here's the deal we have to step up we have to shake off apathy we have to shake off some things of this world and and focus solely on him and not keep our heads down but lift our heads number one this morning here's some things i'm sure of number one i'm sure that god will not forsake his people Amen? amen God has not turned a deaf ear to the cries of his people. We could feel that way. We could, we, if nothing else that we have done at this church, and by the way, 630 tomorrow night, we pray every Monday night. And listen, we intercede, we cry out for our community, we cry out for our teens, we cry out for, for this church, we cry out for your families, we cry out to God and we worship and we pray and we intercede because if, if, if you're going to choose a church, don't go to a church that doesn't pray, go to a church that does. Come on, somebody. 
Listen, a praying church is a powerless church. So we focus a lot on prayer. We pray on Sunday mornings, remind you of that. Every Sunday morning we gather and uh, somebody else leads it, but they gather and we pray and we intercede for you. But what we, what we can do, what maybe you can do is the same thing I've done at times, is when I'm praying for a situation or I'm praying for one of my kids, I get discouraged because things seem to get worse instead of better. Is anybody following me this morning? And the first thing I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was preparing this sermon, and we'll do a series over the next two to three weeks, probably three, probably for sure three, maybe four. But I'm kind of lining up the different topics. I feel like that. But I, I, I began to lament. I'm like, Lord, we're praying for our schools up here. We literally go there and physically pray every Thursday night, and it's getting worse. Lord, I'm, I've been praying for our government. I've been praying for the United States of America. And then I open up my news app on Sunday morning and I see all the craziness that happened the night before and I get discouraged. I came to tell you this morning the same thing the Holy Spirit told me. I have not turned a deaf ear to my people. That there is a remnant that God is touching and raising up. And I even, I even got a little bit discouraged. Even seeing revival begin to break out in Kentucky and these young people. I'm I'm not talking about revival for me and you. I'm talking about there is a generation that if God doesn't sovereignly move, we're going to lose them, church. The the, the evil that has been loosed. And that is a sign of the end times. A sign of the end times is revival. And it concerns me when because I'm a statistics person. And if you look at every country on the face of the earth, and you have, you know, 100 some countries or whatever the amount is, when I look at all those countries, when, you, when we talk about revival, just because it's not happening right here, right now, we think it's not happening because we're Americans, right? Well, if it's not happening in America, I guess it's not happening. My concern is, is that there are 17 countries in the world that Christianity is either stasis or it's declining. United States of America is in one of those 17. Are you hearing your pastor this morning? We can't look around at the condition of the world and do anything but look inwardly at the condition of the church. Condition of our families, conditions of our homes. But I want to encourage you of this. God has has encouraged my heart. You see, there have been more people come to God through Christ in the last 50 years than the previous years since Jesus died on the cross. That's the truth of the age we're living in. Revival is happening, but my discouragement is looking around and saying, Lord, how long until you visit the United States? And I mentioned the revival that began to break out a couple months ago, and I've been seeking the Lord about that because I'm like, Lord, and what I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me is, is, is the Lord was like, I am causing hunger to be generated in my people. Yes. And God... He, he moves and then he steps back and he wants to see, are we going to continue to pursue him? In church, we are in such desperate times and entering into such a season that really a lot hangs in the balance that is going to be decided by the church either becoming a church that prays and is on fire for him and, and, and pursues him like never before, or the church is going to grow colder and colder and colder. But I can't control you and you can't control me, but I will say as for this church, as for this church, we will serve the Lord. As for this church, we are going to believe that God has not forsaken his church because he said he will never leave us nor forsake us. So don't get your eyes on thinking, well, God's just taking his hand off. God wants to see the response of his people. Number two, this is something else I'm 100% sure of, and you can be 100% sure of from the word of God. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. 
We just have to discern where God is shining his light, and then we respond accordingly as the church. So God shines, in, in, or God shakes and shines, and our response is to see where he's shining and shaking, because God is a God who can bring light out of darkness. God is a God who can, who can expose what is behind the curtain, So don't get fearful when God shakes. Don't get fearful when God shines. Don't get fearful when God begins to expose the works of the enemy. Amen? Because the enemy is who? He's the deceiver of not only the brethren, but of every... I mean, there is a spirit of deception that is running rampant in our society. Let me take it a step further. I would say beyond deception, it's delusion. There, there's there, the people are delusional y'all and I'm not up here to rant about our society. I'm here to talk to the people of God and say that everything that can be shaken is and will being shaken for the very express purpose that what remains is of God. That's the purpose of it. And while I'm deeply concerned about the state of our nation and there's many things at stake, I also listen to me. I also have a great sense of anticipation of what God is doing. The Holy Spirit asked me a question when the revivals, and listen, that revival is still continuing to spread in the young generation. It is. It's spreading, and they are giving their hearts to the Lord, and there's a generation that's going to arise, and they're going to take in the end-time harvest of souls. And I began to look at that, and I began to, to just just look at, just think about it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just a few weeks ago and he asked me a question. He said, Jason, how, wh- how would you have preached knowing that I was going to do that a few months ago? And, and I thought to myself, I would have been so full of hope in the months leading up to that. Can I tell you where I'm at today? I am full of more hope than I ever have been before. I am full of more anticipation than I ever have been before. So I, I've said this a few weeks ago. I'm going to celebrate it before I see it. <laughs> I am. Because you need to get a vision for the victory in your life. So here's what we want. Here's what we want. We want certainty, don't we? And these aren't the, the end times are not the age of certainty. The end times are the age of faith in God and His character and who He is and understanding that everything can be shaken, will be shaken. Here's another thing that I know this morning before we jump into our word. I know the power of the gospel to transform lives has not changed. Amen? It's time we understand what any king, president, government leader, or congress can do is limited. But a church filled with the spirit and and full of faith, there's no limit to what we can do. Listen, no one can stop the church of Jesus Christ. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. You know what can stop the church of Jesus Christ? Me and you. I've never been more sure that the answer for everything that we see going on around us, never been more sure, is the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. gospel. I've never been more sure of that answer. Here's the answer. It's the gospel. It's always the answer. Listen, people are rightly concerned. When you talk about the end times, people are rightly concerned. Well, what about my well-being? Well, we got what, what, what's going to happen in in our country? What's going to happen in our neighborhoods? What's going to happen? And and I think by way of preparation, as God has laid this on my heart, by way of preparation, is that simultaneously, because good and evil run on the same tracks, right? Simultaneously, we will see the rise of evil, but we will also see the rise of the church. Oh, 
The church was birthed for moments like this. It was. So, let's simply be who Christ has created and called us to be. And who has he created us to be? I'm telling you what will reach our society because we're all looking at the same thing and we can all become discouraged by the same conditions that we see. And here's what we have to offer, the hope of the word of God. Everybody say hope. Hope. Hope's important, amen? Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Jesus said this, and this is, this is, this is the gospel right here, the gates of hell itself would not prevail against the church. And it's interesting, and I, I've talked about this before, but let me go a little bit more in depth. It's very interesting of where Jesus actually said those words, and he took his disciples on a little field trip. And you would think that they would have just stayed where they were for Jesus to have this teaching or to have this moment where he asked the question, who do, who do men say that I am? And they went on a field trip, and it was about 20 to 25 miles from where they currently were. And you would think that if he's going to give this revelation, that he would have stayed where he was because where he was was a place of goodness and holiness, and it was a place of, 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 of them being able to meet and to teach. and to, In other words, it was home base. And oftentimes, when we look at the gospel and what God's doing in our society, we think that the more we retreat into home base, the more effective that we'll be in society. But when it comes to the end times, Jesus was plainly speaking to his disciples because he took them to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi was, and if you don't know where it was, it was the red light district of Jesus' day. It was the place where no good Jewish boy would ever be found going And Jesus packs up his disciples. He said, we're going to go here. And what it was, it was a large cliff. And in that cliff, they would set up idols to their sin. They would set up idols to the gods that they worshipped. And they would set up idols to the the governmental and religious structures that they worshipped during that day. And Jesus comes right in the midst of that, and he chooses that moment, and he chooses that place and time to let the, the, the disciples of God know that we're not going to stay safely tucked away over here just singing kumbaya and staying in our little neat little place. He, he went directly to the place where everything in that day and age was set up to be worshipped, and he said, I want to tell you something. I'm, I feel the Holy Ghost when I'm saying this. I want to tell you something, and I'm going to tell you as the church, the gospel is still the the power of God for the salvation of man. And we can go right to the power structures and the things. In other words, we're so worried about being politically correct, we have abandoned the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is God has the power to save, heal, and deliver. And he looked at that structure right there and he said, here's what I want you to know, disciples, that right in the very midst of everything that is wrong in the society currently today, you can set up my kingdom right in the midst of that and right in the midst of everything the enemy was doing. He said, you can, the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. In other words, it's time for the church to rise up. We can teach on the end times, and I could get up here and tell you and show you charts and show you all these kind of things. But what God wanted me to lay a foundation of this morning is that the Bible, from the very beginning to the very end, is a love story. It is. 
and when you, when you lay the foundation that it is a love story, we understand that God came to see people redeemed. He came to set up his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He came to, for us to live by the principles of his word. And if the church would rise up and begin to call sin, sin, we're worried about offend. Listen, I don't want to, I, I don't care about offending you. I care about your eternal soul this morning. And Jesus was very clear. Hey, don't play it safe back here in Galilee. Let's go out and see if we can set up the kingdom of God through the preaching of the truth of God's word right in the midst of the power structures and the evil of the day. In other words, this is not a time for the church to shrink back. It's a time for the church to press forward with the gospel. It's called good news. The good news is the enemy's defeated. There's a new king. He is coming back to set up an earthly kingdom and we're going to be right there in the middle of it. There's no better news for a believer in the house today than if you are saved and on your way to spend eternity with God, God is coming back to put it all right. There's no worse news this morning if you're here and you have not given your life over to the Lord, because listen to me, this is as good as it gets. And look around you this morning. Amen. Look around at the world. If you're a believer, this is as bad as it gets. Think about that. We have eternity. We have something that God is opening up. So, so God is sovereign. He's always seven, eight moves ahead. We can't necessarily know and discern exactly what he's doing at any given time. The world stage is set for the end times. The gospel is to be preached in every place, every tongue, tribe, and nation. Amen? And then the end will come. We look at the end times like a clock on the wall. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. The end times aren't just like a clock on the wall. The end times are conditions. And the, one of the conditions Jesus very plainly said is his people would preach his gospel. So if you want to get Jesus to come back and set everything right, how about we all become ministers of reconciliation? How about we become ministers of hope? Because, listen, the world has heard just about everything under the sun. But one thing that I believe can touch a dying world is, is we are, we are, we've gone through years, church, of fear and anxiety. And it has had such an effect, not only on the people of God, it's had a, such an effect on the world. What if we were the people that are just beginning to speak faith instead of fear? What if we were the people that began to show people there's a different way to live and a different kingdom that you can come into and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it? He literally told him, listen, you'll storm the gates of hell. He was saying that the very place and places that seemed the most corrupt and evil were the very places God desired to have his kingdom built. Number four... We need to defeat the uncertainty that the days ahead can fill us with. Everybody say uncertainty. uncertainty. I've been pondering the story of Exodus. As I mentioned, I just, I just began to ponder, and this hadn't occurred to me before. It occurred to me a couple weeks ago that God chose the season and the festival of Passover that Jesus would go to the cross. And the thought came to me and thought, wow, why not Yom Kippur when the Day of Atonement, when when the lamb was slaughtered for the sins of the people. And I think there's a key there because, and there's a key for us too. And this is, this is the foundation I want to lay this morning as we get into the end times over the next few weeks. Here's the foundation is the Passover 
is literally a celebration of God delivering the people of God out of the bondage of Egypt. If you take that as a spiritual analogy of don't be uncertain with the sovereign God this morning. Because we are so filled with uncertainty sometimes that the days we're looking at ahead, that sometimes we get so uncertain that that we can get fearful. We can get anxious. We can get upset. We can get feeling like, man, God, I don't know what's around the corner. Can I tell you, God knows what's around the corner. And the story of the Exodus is amazing because if you look at that story, what did he say he would lead them by? He would lead them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. Amen? Amen. And what we want is we, I would like to, I would love to stand up before you and say, I can certainly tell you what's going to happen in the next 10 years in our community, in our schools, in our country, in our government, or around the world. I can't say that this morning, but I am confident in who God is. Because I can look back and there, there's something to the fact that God chose the festival of Passover to, to have his son die because he is bringing his people out of bondage and into promises. Amen. And when he told them, because when he said, I'm going to lead you out, he knew that the the people of God knew God was supernaturally working on their behalf. And can I assure you, God is supernaturally working on behalf of his people. We can't always see it, but I want to make that promise to you that God will never leave us, forsake us, or abandon us. So he chose nighttime to lead them out of bondage, which is amazing to me because they were like us. God, when are you going to deliver us? When I deliver you. God, when are things going to change in our, in our country? When they're going to change. God, when, when, when are my kids going to come and, and be on fire for you? When, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? And, and when you read the story of them being let out that night, it was at night. And it was suddenly. So suddenly that it says they didn't even have time to put yeast in their bread. They didn't have time to finish cooking their food. And they're like, God, when is this going to happen? What's going to happen at night? What worse time to have? Listen. This is the truth. This is the truth. Think about this for a minute. We know from later stories that they actually turned and looked back at the bondage. They actually, they actually looked back at where they, God was delivering them from. Because we want certainty and comfort. And I came to tell you this morning, when we talk about the end times, it's anything but certain and comfortable. But we do know this. We have a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. We have a God who has promised that he would lead us with a cloud by day and a fire by night. And they are probably like, great, the promised land. Which way is it? Well, you go 30 miles that way. You take a left at the big mountain there. You go 26 miles. that. He didn't say any of that. He said, just follow me. And the cloud by day and the fire by night are symbolic of the presence of God being with his people. What worse time to go on a trip of somewhere you don't know where you're going than to come at night unless you remember that God said he would lead them with a flame of fire, a pillar of fire in the nighttime and a cloud by day? Now, daytime, and this is just my thought, daytime, they could have looked around and thought, 
well, there's a dust cloud. Maybe we should go this way or this cloud moved over. Maybe the cloud's moving this way. And, and, and that can be a little bit confusing. But can I tell you what wouldn't be confusing? A fire, a cloud of fire by night because a cloud of fire illuminates and it shows the way and there's no mistaking that their God was, my, my point is it doesn't matter how dark it's getting. We have a God that promised he would lead us to where God wants us to be. You listening online, listen to me this morning. Well, you have a God who said all you have to do. It, why did he do it that way? Because he wants us to learn how to live in his presence. That's why I'm moving and pushing in on you in worship. Because I want you to learn not how to, how to partake of Alexis's anointing and Rich's anointing and Buddy's anointing and, 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 and Hannah's anointing and, and Sean and the rest of the worship team. I want you to form an anointing where you know how to be led by the presence of God. Because we may be living in times in 10 years where they say churches you can't gather together. Who would have thought three years ago that churches all over the world were shut down? Who who saw that coming? No, I didn't. God did. And I think it was such a beneficial season. I do. And you know what people were saying three years ago? The death of the church. There are people who aren't going to go back to church. Can I tell you, the devil's a liar. And the enemy cannot destroy the church of God because we have a cloud by day and a fire by night. But don't be afraid of the fire. Don't be afraid of the darkness. Don't, my, my point is so simple this morning as we get into the end times. You can focus on all the little tiny details that you forget to see the big picture. And the big picture is we win. <laughs> The big picture is God chose, God chose the headline of the cross not only as atonement, but He chose the headline of the cross of deliverance for the people of God. We're crying out to God, God, put everything right. God, set everything straight. But sometimes we don't like the way He goes about it because the people of Israel certainly couldn't have felt like real good about, oh, it's the middle of the night, wake me up, and I don't have time to pack, I don't have time to get my stuff together, and I don't know where I'm going. God usually does His best work when we don't know what He's up to. Am I right or am I right? So I want you to learn some very important things about God's nature because it will help you have faith in the seasons ahead. And this doesn't just apply to the end times. This applies to life. Amen. Because oftentimes we're like, God, I don't think I would have chosen to go that way. But look what you did in me and the way that you took me. Look at the faith. If, if your faith hasn't been increased in the last three or four years, you're not doing it right. I'm being serious. My faith, is, my faith has grown by leaps and bounds. Because I look at a world that, yes, may be sliding that way, but I also see a God who never changes. I see a God who is going to come through continually for his people. Amen? We need to defeat the uncertainty that the days... The reason we need to defeat that, one simple reason, is because we are people of God. (laughs) We are people of faith. We are people that have seen God come through for us time and time and time again. And what I watched unfold before my eyes when we went through a little test is everybody was, oh, I'm backing up. I mean, come on, folks. Am I right? God's going to get us to where God said he was going to bring us. Because it's him we're walking with. 
When we're walking with God, he doesn't give us all the answers. But I will tell you what he does give us. He gives us his presence. And he did the same for them that night when they were brought out of bondage of Egypt. And that's where the enemy wants to get each one of us. In any situation in your life right now, to feel a level of uncertainty about your future that paralyzes you and keeps you from moving forward and trusting God. There will be times that God will lead you and you can't see him. Amen? How many have experienced that? How many seasoned saints that, you, that I have in the room today that where you, you, you can't see where he's going, but I want you to know you can trust him. Turn over to Isaiah 58. You might, might already be there. I'm actually, while you're turning there, going to get a little drinkle. That's the price of, of hollering this morning. <laughs> Again, lay the foundation. Next week, the title is Here Comes the Bride. We're going to look at the bridal paradigm and the preparation that Jesus is taking his body through right now. So I encourage you to come back and invite somebody. Week after that, we'll dig a little bit more into the book of Revelation, maybe one to two weeks. But the Holy Spirit just began to lay on my heart. I, I always ask this question after Easter, God, what's next? What do you want to say to your people? And I just felt very, very led in my heart to teach on the end times because that is a question that a lot of people are asking right now. As they look around at the world, they're asking, Lord, how long? Yeah. <laughs> Lord, when are you going to return? And, and if that doesn't fill you with hope, the return of Jesus this morning, then you need to come over to our side because I can't wait till he comes back. Because every knee will bow. There will be no more blaspheming the name of our God. I'd rather bow now. Amen. Isaiah 58, verse 11. Verse 11 and 12. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Verse 12, your people will build the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairs of broken walls, restore of streets with dwellings. That's a good scripture all by itself. But my question this morning is, are you living in that place? I told a brother this morning that he and I are almost exactly the same age. And I said, well, we're generation this. And I looked at him and I said, our generation needs to step up on the scene. You folks born between 1968 and the early 80s, we were probably the last generation to grow up really good. I'll just be honest with you. Amen. We didn't, we didn't have computers and we didn't have cell phones. And we got outside and we ramped our bikes. Come on, somebody. Nearly killed myself a dozen times. I mean, seemed like that, that cinder block just fell right at the wrong moment. And I'd bust my head open and skin all my knees up. And I think our generation has kind of gone AWOL. I do. When it comes to the kingdom, I think we've kind of gone AWOL. But number one today, as we look at this Isaiah 58, here's what I want you to do. Look up for your salvation draws near. You see it in the first part of the scripture. The Lord will guide you always. Everybody say always. always. And again, there's a pillar of fire that guides us. There's a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it's right in front of them. And God is leading the people of God. God is bringing them out 
of bondage. God is bringing his people out of bondage. God is leading us into our promised land. God says very clearly, and this is the foundation for the next couple weeks. God says very clearly, I have come to give you a hope and to give you a future. That doesn't change in the end times. That doesn't change because our society and culture is literally seems like it's gotten demon possessed almost overnight. Amen. God hasn't forgotten he is leading you. And when you look up, it reminds you that he's got you. He covers you. So today, look up to the warmth of that fire, the warmth of his presence, the warmth of his His promises. Because this morning, Jesus is still on the throne. He exists and resides in the oval office of the universe. And can I tell you this morning, he only needed one electoral vote. And that was the amen of the Father for his life he lived on earth. And we celebrated that amen last Sunday because when God said amen, son, he breathed and came up out of that grave. And it was at that moment that he breathed again that he became the king of not just the United States, not just the world, but the universe was under his feet. And the Father said, come sit beside me till I make your enemies your footstool. That's the season we're in. We're in the season of the already not completely fulfilled kingdom. And when Jesus taught on earth, what he was teaching primarily through his parables and everything else, we certainly find good morals in there. We certainly find what, you know, what to do in this situation. But primarily the parables of Jesus were what the kingdom looked like. That's what he came to institute was the kingdom of heaven. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. So we have a good news to preach that you don't have to live in sin and bondage and addiction anymore. There's a king to serve. And it's much more than just freedom from sin and forgiveness of sin. If the cross tells us anything, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, has led us out of captivity of Egypt, and he's leading us into the promised land of the thousand-year reign of Christ. And I'm not going to get worried about what's going on around me as much as I'm going to keep my eyes lifted to him. So not only do we look to him, but secondly, listen, look to God's provision. Everybody say provision. provision. Because there's going to be times, it seems like the people, when they went into the wilderness, it says there was 600,000 men. They didn't count the women and children. So you're talking about millions of people wandering and being led through the wilderness. And they, they, they kind of seemingly, as I mentioned, they kind of left all the comfort behind. And because Egypt was awful, there's no, there's no question about Egypt being awful. But at least it was predictable. Church, I don't want to give a, live a life in the end times that's predictable. I want to live a life of faith. Amen. Do you know some people would rather live in the bondage yeah. than to walk in freedom? They would, they would rather live in comfort because here's the thing. At the end of the day, in the days ahead, we need to trust that God is going to provide. It says he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. That's a picture of what they were walking into when they went into the promised land. And listen, you may say, yeah, but sun-scorched land, that, doesn't, that didn't sound like any fun. Of course not. But can I tell you, it's in our weakness that his strength is truly made strong. It's in those times when we are a little apprehensive about what God's up to and where he's going. And don't, 
let the need that you may face this morning or you may face in your future fool you or let the enemy begin to speak to you about the character of God and say, God doesn't care. In the passage in Exodus, they had been given so much favor. Listen, they were given so much favor when they came out of Egypt. They were given so much favor that God said, actually, you can go and plunder the Egyptians. I want to tell you the season we're getting ready to walk into as a family, as a church, and everything else. God is getting ready to restore everything the enemy has taken from you. He is. The enemy's come, and he's taken it, and you keep trusting God and trusting his character. And, and listen, what did it say? I will look to him. And, and he has to, in other words, the enemy's got to put it all back with interest. If he's stolen the last few years of you, guess what's coming? Payment. It is. It is because we have a good God. Number three, look to God with eyes of faith. Everybody say faith. When we, we had the tendency when things are uncertain, we've been living in uncertain times. Again, every time I open my news app, I get more uncertain, not full of faith. I get kind of in my heart like, God, is this... Is this just going to be a, a, your return going to be a great rescue of the church? Or is it going to be a great celebration of the church because the church will be on fire and we'll be seeing revival? And what we do, I, I do, I do this unknowingly, is I, I step back and I see troubled waters or uncertainty ahead. And I step back and I say, well, God, I'm going to just stay right here until I'm certain of what you're doing and where you're going. We won't be able to navigate the end times if we live like that because that is not faith. Everybody say faith. Listen, you can't control a lot about life, but I do get to control what? My heart's condition. Amen? So look to the future with faith. Stand with me this morning. Alexis and Buddy, if you guys would come. Look to the future with faith, not fear. And you have to have a vision of victory. What do I mean by that? Church, you can get your eyes locked on the world, the flesh, and the devil. And when you do that, it will generate anxiety, and it will generate apprehension, and it will generate where you want to say, I'm not going to take steps of faith or I'm not going to speak to that person or I'm not going to preach the gospel to that person or I'm going to just try to get everything I can and just wait this thing out. But the reason I say, and I said it already this morning during worship, that we have to have a vision of victory because that is the God that we serve. Because the church has gotten ourselves to a place, and I I must admit, probably myself included, we have gotten ourselves to the place where we wake up in the morning and we ask our depression, is it okay if I function today? Listen, we ask our addiction, "Is it can, can, can I be free today? We have put ourselves under the yoke of the enemy and we're operating in, in fear, apprehension, and we're drawing back. When the, the principle of faith is you have to have a vision of victory because what do I mean by that? We just celebrated Easter. Here's the vision of victory. Listen to me close for just a couple more minutes. Here's the vision of victory. The Bible was very, very clear that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he was not looking forward to being whipped on his back. He was not looking forward to having a crown of thorns pushed into his head. He was not looking forward to having all of these horrible things. But it says very clearly 
that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy that was set before him? It was you and I. So he endured all that because there was something on the other side that he had a vision of. He had a vision of that victory. He had a vision of faith. And church, we wake up in the morning and we begin to say, well, I I hope this happens and I hope that happens and I hope God comes through over here. Can I just turn that around this morning and tell you that you can't control a lot of what is going on around you? Amen? Amen. But you can control this right here on the inside. You can wake up in the morning and you can understand that God is a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. He's a God who is closer than a brother. He is a God who said that I am the God who heals you. I am the God who provides for you. I am the God who will walk with you. And you may not know where he's going and what he's up to, but when you put your faith in him, he is going to come through. That's who he is. And sometimes you just have to have that vision instead of, instead of waking up in the morning and letting your vision, like I have lately get locked onto something that happened the night before to where I say to myself, Lord, how long that's a, that's an okay thing to ask. But what I'm allowing is I'm allowing the world to press me into its image instead of allowing myself to be filled with faith, even though things are dark and understanding that God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He's already doing it. And I don't want to get six, eight, ten, twelve months, year and a half down the road like I did a few months ago and say, wow, Lord, if I'd have known you were going to begin to move like that, I would have been so much happier six months ago. So I told myself, I'm going to be happy now, no matter the circumstance, because I want to have a vision of victory. I want to be the person that says it before I see it. Because that is what is going to sustain us in very dark days. Because again, I don't know if an entire culture can be demon-possessed, but we're almost there. And I also look at the condition, and I know that the enemy is a deceiver. But we are entering into delusional territory. And Romans chapter 1 says that God gave them over. So when things get delusional... Don't even look at the enemy and ask God why God's allowing this to happen. Do you understand me? We're going to talk about these subjects the next few weeks. But for today, let me tell you what you can control. You can't control everything else. But let me just give you a few quick things here at the end that you can control. What can you control? In any season you're in in life, whatever season that we happen to be, it could be 10 years before, it could be 20, it could be 200 years before Jesus comes back. But we're always to be expectant and ready. Amen? Here's what you can control. You can control your prayer and devotional life. Understand this morning where true peace, and no matter what's going on around us, comes from. True peace comes from God's presence. Number two, you can control your worship. Worshiping God as God brings a level of trust and faith. So become somebody who has a strong devotional life. Become somebody that is a worshiper, not just here for 30 minutes on Sunday morning, but your life has worship flowing out of it continually. Because 
you will not get in a place of fear and anxiety if you're a worshiper. I promise you. You can control your worship. You can control your devotional life. Number three, we can take refuge in him in the middle of any storm. Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Number four, we can be a blessing to someone else. Listen, the devil can't take that away. And he hates it when we defeat hate with love. Amen. He hates it. So you can control your devotional life. You can, you can be very committed to the Lord. You can be very committed in your life of worship. You can be very committed in understanding that as we place ourselves under God's care, he's going to cover you with his wings. And the church today can defeat all the hate that we see around us, not by participating in the hate, but by offering an alternative of God's sacrificial love. Amen. Bow your, bow your head this morning. I want to ask a question, as I always do. You may be here because somebody invited you. You may be here just by random happenstance. But I want to ask you this question. As, as, as we talk about the end times, this pastor wants to make sure that you're ready. This pastor wants to make sure that, that, that your life is right with God. Because the power of the cross that we've talked about last week and I talked a little bit about today wasn't just for forgiveness, church. It was for power to break sin out of our lives. Grace is much more than just covering. Grace is a power that operates in us to overcome anything we face. So my question today is, do you know him? I don't, I'm not asking if you know about him. I'm not asking if you came to church last week on Easter. I'm asking, do you have a personal relationship with him and have you trusted not in your own righteousness, but have you trusted upon the righteousness of Christ? As you bow your head and close your eyes, I want to ask that question. I, you, you say today, I want to make sure that my life is right with God because I do believe that he's coming sooner rather than later. Just shoot your hand up right there where you are. Anybody? Amen. 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 I feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. There's somebody here and it's a male. It's a, it's, 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 it's somebody that the Lord has been dealing with your heart and you've just kind of kept him at a distance and you didn't acknowledge just a minute ago. You're, you're holding something back. You're reserving something. And the Lord says today is the day of salvation. I want to ask one more time and anybody you want to make him Lord and savior of your life, shoot your hand up real high right there where you are. Amen. 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 There it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today acknowledging that I'm a sinner, that I have fallen short of your standard. I ask you, Father, to forgive me, to wash me clean. I receive today the free gift of salvation through faith. Come live in my heart. Change my life. I acknowledge that you died, that you rose again, that you ascended to heaven. I trust in your righteousness. Father, forgive me. I'm coming home. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Let's keep our hands together and thank God. There are quite a few people that received the Lord today. Let me tell you your next steps. Get plugged into a church. There's a lot of wonderful churches right here in this area. If it doesn't happen to be this one, find yourself a body of Christ to worship with. If you need anything, make an appointment or come talk to me right now after service. If there's anything I can do for you, we are always here. And we have some really wonderful, awesome, Holy Spirit-filled people of God that you can get connected in with. Amen. How many are glad to be in the house today? Amen. Let me bless you as you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless the people of God. May they be blessed going in and may they be blessed going out. Lord, I pray that you would turn your wonderful, beautiful face upon each one, that you would fill us with hope and you would fill us with your presence. Lord, as we go from here, may we never stray far from your holy presence, but may you bring us back at your appointed time, Father. We love and praise you. I pray you watch over, God, each and every family and each and every person here today. Lord, we love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed, church. Love you. Nobody's told you they love you today. Pastor loves you. We got Monday night prayer meeting tomorrow night at 630 and we got service Wednesday at, at 630. So if you can come back and join us, please do. <laughs>